Welcome to Agent of Wealth Podcast with Mark Boudis from Boudis Financial. In this podcast, Mark helps small business owners and retirees overcome the multiple wealth planning challenges involved in your financial life. We do this by creating comprehensive wealth management plans to guide you towards financial freedom, ensure you never run out of money, and help create a balance in life that prioritizes what is most important to you. Join us for this journey as Mark draws from years of expertise and guest experts to solve the multiple wealth planning issues involved in your financial life. Hello and welcome to the Agent of Wealth podcast with Mark Boudis of Boudis Financial. Today we're going to be talking about part two in a series that Mark is doing. Mark, what is this part two of? Today we're going to uh, talk about, it's a checklist that I send out every year on some things that people should consider with financial planning towards the end of the year and whether they need to make any decisions or make any changes to what they're currently doing. The checklist or the, the year-end planning, it, re- it covers eight topics, which are taxes, retirement, investments, insurance, milestones, health, any changes that they may have gone through, and anything going on with their their family. And our first part, which was actually episode three of the podcast, we covered investments and health. And we talked about things, changes that you can make to your portfolio for the end of the year to ensure that it, it still is matching with your investment strategy. On the health side, we talked about what you should be thinking about. There's um, Medicare open enrollment coming up. Mm-hmm. There may be some flexible spending account that you have to use up by the end of the year, or also it may just be open enrollment for your regular employer medical plan. And you may want to look at, you know, your current plan coverage or whether it makes sense to change to a high deductible plan so you can get a, so you can put an HSA on top of it. And really it's uh, this, this checklist that, that I'm talking about, it's, it's, uh, it's really meant to be something quick to go over. But if it, if you uncover, determine that there are some items that you need to discuss. It it uh, it really makes sense to to look at them, and it's really uh, meant to to motivate you to to look and see whether there's something that you you need to do. I send the checklist out, or if you don't receive it or want to get a copy for yourself, it's it's on my website boutusfinancial.com. We'll also link it in the in the show notes that so that someone can get it if they'd like to to receive it there as well. Mm-hmm. And and we've titled this podcast series "Last Chance Financial Planning." So, and this is part two. What are we covering today? Today, you know, like I said, there's eight total topics. Uh, today is probably going to be the biggest one. We're going to cover retirement and really look at your retirement plans. What should you be doing? Should you make any contributions to them? Maybe you just started a business and you may want to open up or start a retirement plan for your company. You may have a 401k through your work that you may have to get your contribution in by the end of the year. We'll look at a big topic this year is going to be Roth conversions. And we'll go over why that may make more sense this year than it, it did in previous years. Um, and then we'll also talk about required minimum distributions. The government gives you a tax break for your retirement contributions, but at some point they come back and they they want to collect their taxes, and they of do that they do. By, <laughs> by enforcing a minimum distribution. And we'll cover what's what's uh, what that's all about, and what you have to think about uh, for that if you're if you're uh, over seventy and a half. All right, sounds like a plan. Let's get going. All right. So the first topic we're going to cover are retirement plan contributions. The government incentivizes you to to make a contribution to your to your retirement. They want people to have successful retirements. Their incentive is by offering a tax break. The tax break is either a deduction, they allow you to take a deduction if you add money to a retirement account, or 
you can not take the deduction and, and make what's called a post-tax contribution and you get your benefit at the end by never having to pay tax on that that money again. Mm. So we'll talk about the, the more common types of retirement plans, which are 401ks, traditional IRAs, Roth IRAs, SEP plans, and then also one that's not as common is a uh, cash balance plan. The, the really, the, the, I guess what we'll talk about, the main characteristics of each retirement plan are uh, how much you're allowed to, to put into it mm-hmm. each year, when the contribution has to go in, and then whether you're getting an upfront pre-tax deduction or if it's uh, a post-tax uh, contribution, which more commonly known as the Roth, whether it's a 401k or, or IRA. Got it. Okay, so we'll, we'll first we'll cover 401ks because they're they're probably the most common. Yeah, um, I would say so. You know, yeah, on the on the employee side, at least you know on the employee making a contribution, and this one does. So if you decide to make a contribution to your 401k, you have until December 31st to make that that contribution, and the maximum amount that you can put in is eighteen thousand five hundred. Or if you're over 50 years old, you're allowed to get an additional or allowed to put an additional 6000 in up to 24500 Okay. Now, this 401k can be pre or post tax. You really have to, it really has to decide whether you want that deduction in the year that you make it. So let's say you put in that 18500 this year. It would look like you earned 18500 less for your taxes. So it's a nice tax deduction. Mm. However... When you retire, when you take the money out, that's when you're going to start paying the tax on it. It will, the money will come out as ordinary income and you'll be taxed as ordinary income on it versus the post-tax or the Roth 401k contribution. And the way that works is uh, you, you pay your tax on, on the money that you earn. You decide to make a contribution. So let's say you put that same 18500 into a Roth 401k. Then when you go to take that money out when you retire – you know, as long as you're over 59 and a half, you do not have to pay tax on it. So it's really looking at, do you want the tax benefit up front or on the uh, on the back end when you take the money out? There's no right or wrong. You really want to look at kind of where you are or where you project you'll be with, with uh, income in retirement. You want to look at what the tax brackets currently are. And obviously, we don't know what they're going to be in the future. But there are a couple of considerations that go into it. And sometimes it just makes sense to hedge it, put some into the pre-tax and some into the to the post-tax contribution. Got it. OK, so one of the things you want to really take into consideration with your 401k contribution is a lot of employers will offer a match on the money that you put into a 401k. You want to at least contribute the maximum the amount of money to your 401k so that you do receive the maximum employer match and it's really like getting getting free money so there's no reason not to to do that mm-hmm. the next type of retirement plan we'll talk about are the traditional IRA and the Roth IRA contributions so these really are if you're not covered by a 401k at work you're still able to to contribute to an IRA however the the contribution amount is a lot less it's actually 5500 is the max that you can contribute to each year, and that's the total. So you can't contribute 5,500 to a traditional and 5,500 to the Roth. But they're the same concepts that we talked about with the 401k. If it's a traditional IRA, you're getting the tax deduction for it. And if it's the Roth, no tax deduction, but no no taxes that you have to pay when the money the money comes out. Mm-hmm. Now the the timing is a little bit different on when you have to make the contribution. So for this, it has to be made by April 15th. Uh, so it's really your tax filing deadline. So if we look at your 2018 taxes have to be filed by April 15th of 2019, 
that's when you have to make your your contribution for the traditional and the Roth the Roth IRAs. So are you saying that you can only contribute from January 1st to April 15th? No. So you actually have from January 1st of 2018 until April 15th of 2019 to make your, your 2018 contribution. So you're, you're oh, almost okay. basically a year and, and four months that you have to, to make it. So you get a little bit of, of uh, leeway. Not that I want to push it to the, to the limit. Yeah, right. I, just, I just wanted to clarify. That's okay. That's good. That's better than what I thought it could be. Yeah. And uh, another difference between the traditional and Roth IRAs than the 401ks is that, is that there are income limits that you uh, that are placed on you, which if you're if you earn over a certain income, you're not allowed to take the deduction to the IRA or maybe not even allowed to put money into into a Roth IRA. And it's somewhat of a complicated criteria to determine what that income limit hmm. is. It really depends on, well, first, if you're single or filing married. Uh, or second, the second determination is what, well, obviously what your income is and if it's over a certain amount. And then the third one, the third determination is whether you're covered by an employer plan or not. So let's say you do have a 401k at work. You're actually only allowed to earn a certain amount. You're allowed to earn less than if you weren't covered by it. So there's basically a flow chart that hmm. uh, it's pretty straightforward to go through where you look at, you know, single, married, covered by an employer plan. And then what your income is. And then from there, you can determine whether you're allowed to make a contribution or not. Got it. Uh, the third one we'll talk about is called a SEP IRA. So this is an IRA, but it's actually an employer IRA. Great for small businesses. If uh, you know the business is only you, maybe you and a couple employees, maybe uh, you and a spouse. The SEP stands for a simplified employee pension. It's a type of IRA. But the biggest benefit of this is you're allowed to really sock away a lot of money each year. And you can you can put up to the maximum of 25% of your net income up to $55,000 a year into it. So you can really put a lot in. Mm. There are some rules on, um, you know, if you make that contribution for yourself, it has to be made for every employee in the firm. So, you know, you really have to decide, do you want to outlay that that much money for everyone or you know, it may be another retirement plan. Like a, as an employer, a 401k might make more more sense. Got it. We talked a little bit about the traditional and the Roth and the income limits. And I just want to kind of touch back on that for one second. One strategy that I've used a lot is, uh, you know, and I'll work with a lot of people who are over the income limits to be able to contribute to a Roth IRA directly. But one strategy to use is uh, what they do. It's, it's really a two-step strategy. They make a contribute, a non-deductible contribution to an IRA and then automatically convert it to a Roth IRA. And the reason for doing this is while there are income limits on contributing directly to the Roth, there are no income limits on converting from a traditional to a Roth IRA. So it's really a great strategy on if you do earn over a certain amount, you can still get that 5,500 into a Roth IRA. So that's one I definitely recommend that that everyone look at, you know, whether whether that they're eligible or, or whether that makes sense for them to do. Huh, I've, never, I've never heard of that before. So can you just break it down? What is a non-deductible contribution to an IRA? How does that work when you convert it? Sure. So in this sense, it's really you're just putting money into an IRA. You're not taking unlike that traditional IRA we talked about where you get that deduction Mm -hmm. in in the year that you make it with this non-deductible. It's still an IRA, but you're not taking a deduction. Got it. And and then what you do is you are immediately converting it to a to a Roth IRA. So the difference is if you didn't convert it, it's in this what's called a non-deductible IRA. So you didn't take a a deduction for it, you're able to defer taxes 
on it as it grows. And then when the money comes out, you're paying tax on the gains over the years. Why would you convert it to a Roth is because once you convert it to a Roth, the the total IRA becomes tax-free. And when you pull the money out, you do not have to pay tax on anything, the contributions, nor the gains that the, uh, that the account generated over the years. Got it. So there's, but there's, there's tax implications when you convert it to the Roth, correct? Well, the tax implication is just that you're not taking a deduction for it. So it's, it's basically the same thing if someone took 5,500 and put it into a taxable account. But what we're doing is we're basically going a two-step process by putting it into an IRA first Mm -hmm. and then, converting it to a Roth. We're going to talk a little bit below about Roth conversions and that what that is, is that's something that you've taken a tax deduction on and we're going to look at whether it makes sense to pay the tax now to convert it to a Roth IRA for benefits in the in the future. So we'll, we'll look at that in our actual next topic. All right. Um, but this one's just a little bit different in that you're making the contribution and immediately converting it to the Roth IRA. All right. The next type of plan we want to look at, and this one's the least popular of all, all the ones we've discussed, is the cash balance plan. So these are, and on our last podcast, we talked about the pension plans going the way of the dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Well, this cash balance plan is a way to kind of revive that that pension. So these really resemble the pension plans that we know about. They're called defined benefit plans. All the the other retirement plans we talk about are defined are called defined contribution, which mean which means you make a contribution and then when you retire you have a pool of money, but it all depends on what the contribution you made was at that time. The the defined benefit plan kind of works in reverse. There's an actuarial calculation that happens every year where you want to look at the end goal and you want to say, okay, I w- the pension should re- replace let's just say 60% of the worker's salary. And you look at, okay, how much has to go into the pension plan each year so that when they retire, they can produce a, an income that is calculated to that 60% of their, their salary. So while the cash balance plans are the least popular of the four we talked about, some people really like them because you can really put away a lot of money each year. Mm. Uh, depending upon your age, your income, uh, you could really put away up to 200000 a year in this cash balance plan, which is 200000 less than that you're paying taxes on for the year. So they're definitely something that, that you want to look at. Like all of these, they're, they're not for everyone. So you really want to look at your individual situation and determine if they make sense for you. A couple notes on on just in general on retirement plan contributions. We're we're talking about making the contribution at the end of the year, and I definitely recommend doing that. But one of the strategies I, I'll always recommend to people is automate your retirement plan contributions throughout the year. You you learn to budget, you know, without that money coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also don't have to come up with this big lump sum either at the end of the year or in or in April. It's a strategy that a lot of people use with their 401ks. And what I've seen with people in their 401ks, they contribute each paycheck and, you know, at the end of the year or in two years and five years, they look and they're amazed at how much has saved up from their savings in the 401k plan, plus the growth in the 401k plan, the compounding of the, of the 401k plan. And it's really eye opening. And there's no reason you can't do that, whether you're doing a SEP or a regular IRA as well. So uh, that's definitely a strategy that that you should should think about. And then the, the other question I get is how much should should someone put into their their uh, retirement plan. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'll always say if you start contributing from when you begin working after, after college, one rule of thumb is always contribute 10% each year and you'll, uh, it'll be unlikely that you'll have any problems, but most people don't contribute that much each year. So, so that actual 10% may be higher. 
And then on my website, I have a discover, there's a discover how button on the front page where you can quickly determine if you're on track or not for your, for your retirement. The, the way I like to do it, um, you know, when I go in depth with building a financial plan is look at all the income sources that come in and really look to see, do they cover the projected expenses in retirement by, um, using that tool on my website, you can get a quick feel for whether you're on track or not on track for, for retirement. Got it. Yeah, sounds sounds great. I would have to have, like you said on the last point, I'd have to have it come out every month because I can't imagine trying to pay a lump sum right before Christmas (laughs) at the end of the year. I'm not that self-disciplined, so I I definitely opt in for uh, having it paid out monthly. Yeah, automation is great. So yeah. I'm definitely a believer, believer in that. Fantastic. Uh, the, the next topic we'll talk about are Roth conversions. You know, we talked about the Roth contributions above where there are income limits on it. With the Roth, there's no income limit. And it's really just because Congress has forgotten to close that loophole and put a put a uh, income limit on it. So you're able to, to, make a, to convert from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. Once you do that, you really don't have to worry about paying tax on it on it again. They're a great tool. They're one of my Roth IRAs are one of my favorite tools. Um, they're flexible. So it's really was built for retirement. But because you've already paid tax on the contributions, they're flexible. The government, uh, the IRS allows you more use for it. Some people will use them for education to to pay for for college. So they're they're great. But there are some instances where they don't make sense. And we'll look at a couple of, of reasons why not to do a Roth conversion. The first one is that you have to pay tax up front. So if you convert $100,000 this year from a pre-tax traditional IRA into a Roth, you're going to pay, it's going to make it look like you earned an extra 100000 this year. Wow. So that is a big uh, chunk of tax that you, you would have to pay. We'll talk about a, a strategy that a lot of people do is partial conversion. So you don't get hit with that big tax bill up front. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the reason for doing a Roth IRA is because you think that the tax bracket or tax rates that you'll pay when you retire is higher than what they are now, what you're converting, what you're converting at. So that's the reason for doing them. However, if for some reason you think that tax brackets will be even lower in retirement, you may not want to convert and keep the money in your pre-tax IRA. And, you know, if, if that's what you think, then when the money comes out in retirement, you'll be paying tax at a lower rate. So it's always it's, this the whole exercise is really looking at tax rates and whether you're going to pay, you're going to get more of a deduction now or you're going to save more by not having to pay tax later um, in, in retirement. And I bet there's a lot of things that you have to look at. I mean, if you're if you're paying on your home still and you maybe have a kid in, in your house still, your tax rate is much lower, I would assume, right mm-hmm. uh, now compared to if your house is paid off and you don't have that deduction and you don't have any kids in your home, so you don't get those deductions, uh, I would assume your tax rate would be higher later. There's two things. It's so it's the individual person and, and their situation mm-hmm. and then what their tax rates are going to be. But then there's also the overall tax rates. And, you know, we just had a bill passed at the end of last year, which lowered taxes for a lot of people in terms of the tax rates. And if you look historically, we're at some of the lowest tax rates in history. Mm. So that's why the Roth, the Roth conversions are becoming popular because you're converting at a very low overall tax Got rate it. now with the thought that in the future tax rates may may go up. Just in general. All right. But you may not, you may need the money. You know, you, you may not be able to pay that big tax bill Absolutely. now. So that's one consideration is you have to look at your individual situation and what your money or cash flow needs are. Uh, you also want to look at, you know, if you do have children approaching college age, you want to look at uh, how, when you do a conversion, it shows up as income. So you want to look at how that may or may not uh, impact financial aid. 
Um, it's a one, the conversion's a one-time change in income. So even if you do it now and your child's not starting college for a couple of years, it's, this is a one-time, it wouldn't impact it. It's a, but if it's the year that they're in or about to start, it's something that you want to, you want to consider, uh, looking at. These are a couple of reasons why you may not want to consider a, a conversion, but they, there are definitely reasons why you may want to consider one. And we, you know, we talked about it. It's the, the whole tax hedging and, and really when you convert to a Roth, you take that tax rates, tax brackets, taxes out of the equation. You just never have to pay tax on it again. They're great estate planning tools. So they're, they allow a tax, you know, when, when you pass away and let's say you do have a Roth, that money gets passed on um, and there's a tax benefit for whoever inherits that, that, uh, that Roth IRA. So they're, they're definitely a great tool, definitely something that we should consider looking at and whether it makes sense to do it or not. And it's all individualized, obviously. It is. Yeah. So it's, there's no way to blanket it and say, you know, everyone should do a conversion. It really determines on, you know, what's, what's going on individually with your finances. Good to know. Okay. So the last topic we're going to talk about are RMDs, which is an acronym for required minimum distribution. Mm -hmm. And when you make a pre-tax contribution to your IRA or 401k plan, you get a tax deduction the year you make it. We, and we, we talked a little bit about that in the retirement plan section. Mm -hmm. However, once you hit 70 and a half, the IRS says that it's their turn to collect the tax and they force you to take money out of your IRA and 401k, which is not a fun yeah, thing yeah. to do. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah. And the way they do it is they, they look at the balance of your retirement account or retirement accounts on December 31st, and then they take the, the value of that account. And then there's the, also your age goes into the calculation and then also who your beneficiary is, whether it's a spouse, a non-spouse, and then the age of, of that spouse. But those three pieces of information go into a calculator and it spits out a number that says how much you have to withdraw by December 31st of the end of the end of the year. And you can withdraw more than that, but that is the minimum amount that has to come out. And when it comes out, you're paying tax on that money. So that's how the IRS goes about and collects tax mm -hmm. on it. Now, there's a little bit of a different rule on if it's your first year that you're collect collecting your required minimum distribution. So for every everyone, every year, it's by December 31st. However, if it's your first year, you have until April 15th of the following year. So that same, you know, we talked about that being able to contribute to a traditional IRA mm -hmm. by April 15th for the previous year. Your first distribution can you can take it by April 15th. But what happens is you have to double up that year. So by December 31st, you have to take your second distribution. So some people like being able to postpone it. Some people just want to get on a schedule from year one by doing it by December 31st. Uh, but you have that option your your first year. Hmm. Uh, a couple things of, of noting is that uh, if you inherit an IRA, uh, so if you're the beneficiary of an IRA, you inherit it, you also have to take distributions on it. And there, you have a couple options. You can spread it out over your lifetime or take it within five years, or the IRS would be happy if you just withdrew the whole thing and paid <laughs> tax on everything. So you do yes. have some options. Some of them may make more sense. Again, it, it's going back to that individual situation where whether you need the money, whether, you know, there, it makes sense to defer paying taxes on it as long as you can. You know, there, there again, there's no blanket statement on how to withdraw it. Uh, just that the IRS forces you to withdraw a minimum amount each year. Mm -hmm. The next question I get is, well, what do I do with that money if I don't need it? 
Uh, so you do have a couple options. You can reinvest it in a regular taxable account. So you don't have to spend it. You don't have to just put it in a bank account. You can put it into some kind of investment account where it can grow. You can also gift it. Uh, let's say you have a grandchild and you want to start a 529 for them. As the as the grandparents, you're able to open up a 529, own that 529, and basically gift the money into that 529 for your for your grandchild as the beneficiary. Mm-hmm. The other another option is to be charitable with it. And that's really this is really the only way that you can avoid paying tax on that distribution. You can transfer up to one hundred thousand dollars a year into an eligible charity. And by doing that, you don't actually have to pay tax on that distribution. So if uh, that's that's one thing and that's becoming popular as well. uh, More popular with uh, being a way to avoid having to pay tax on those distributions. That's great. And while you cannot make a you cannot take that distribution and make a contribution to a traditional IRA where you then in turn get a tax deduction, you are able to make a contribution to a Roth IRA. Oh. So we, we talked about the benefits of a Roth and you may want to look at whether it makes sense to put the money into into a Roth, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that distribution or at least a part of that distribution into into a Roth. And then the one that I'm seeing a lot more nowadays are. Grandparents are are taking the children, the grandchildren on family trips, where they're what's called they're called it's called uh, make a memory. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if that's something that that you want to do, and and you don't need the money for living expenses, that's another option as well. I think that's a fantastic option. Yeah, that's a great option, and we'll kind of shift gears and talk about what's the penalty if you fail to take your RMD, which is not a pleasant experience. Mm. So if you do not take your RMD by December 31st, up to 50% of the amount that you were supposed to take could be, you can pay, have to pay a penalty on it. Holy cow. Um, so it is a big penalty. If you do forget to take one, there are ways to petition the IRS to avoid that penalty, but it's a pretty big penalty that's looming if you do fail to, to take it. And it's not that you pay that 50% penalty and then don't have to take it. You have to you pay the 50% penalty and still have to take the, the distribution. So it's, Double it's a pretty, yeah, it's, it's definitely something you want to avoid. Definitely something you want to do by December 31st to, mm. to make sure if you, if you do are required to take one that you do take that distribution by that time. Got it. So what are we doing in closing today, Mark? Yeah. So um, we, we covered retirement, which was a big chunk of things that you should consider by the end of the year. You know, we looked at the retirement plan contributions, Roth conversions, RMDs. And, you know, this, like, like you said at the opening, this is the second in the series of, of year-end planning, uh, the year-end planning podcast. Uh, so next episode, our plan, we're going to cover taxes, you know, what you should, wh- wh- how can you optimize your taxes for the end of the year? And then what annual reviews you should be doing on all of your insurance policies. Uh, things change in everyone's situation. Also, insurance companies change things, and you really want to make sure that you have the right amount of insurance or the right amount of coverage for the right the right premium. So, um, yeah, I look forward to, to the next uh, podcast covering those topics. Me too. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Ark. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast with Mark Bautis. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Mark comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. It also makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you for listening today. For everyone at Bautis Financial, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Bowdis Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. 
Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment and financial planning.